the it's way so, it's it's crisp. Well, here's the thing. You need to know. I quite literally, like, I logged on and I swear to God, in two seconds, it was like AJ Vogel is waiting, in, and I was like, perfect. Great. We line that up. Even from, even though we're separated by miles and by an ocean. By an ocean. By a by a sea of a sea of troubles. Even though we are separated by an entire body of water that doesn't <laughs> affect the distance of our bodies souls um everyone welcome to the show i guess this is deep feels and this is how things go i'm liam garrow i'm opening the show with my friend aj vogie who i was saying and i said this on last week's show i have realized about this i hate opening the show without you i really do i because i wasn't here i'm sorry i'm just pausing i'm torrenting a movie okay adam also how good is wait a minute how good is your wi-fi that you can run a zoom call while torrenting a movie well, that's good because when I switched to this new spot, I had to go to a different type of internet. And my last internet that I had was like, just like you couldn't, I've never seen, you've never seen internet this fast. And this is like, it's like in a world and it's like in like another worldly level. Like, so like now I'm in there like with a commoner level. Oh my God. Well, it's okay. it's, tell it's me good. About, well, but tell me about what movie you're torrenting. Nomadland. The French <gasps> I really, really want to watch it. It's going to be so good. <sighs> I, from the trailers, I really, I love how like, I love how like it looks like it has a real dock feeling to it. Like it's yeah. like and it's really it, it like it's just like the intimacy and stuff like that. Yeah, like really following it. her with the camera. Yeah, I don't know. I'm really excited for it. So well, that that's being downloaded to watch tomorrow night. Well, it's so funny because of course the Oscars are the Sunday, and believe me when I tell you, I haven't watched a single movie, but I will have very strong opinions about who wins because that's my to. way. At least at least draw a line in the sand. Whether or not you know whether you're pointing it in the right direction, sure. It's very. Seen, we've seen yeah. a couple. We've have you? A couple. What are the ones that have really stood out to you? Where you're like, we love this. Judas and the Black Messiah was like, mm. it from start to finish was absolutely excellent. Um, I guess what did we see? We saw some docs. I don't know. I, and I want to see the one. But there's a handful I want to see, like the one night in Miami. That looks sick. Like, <gasps> like Regina Ali. King directing. It, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. And um, but yeah, I guess I had to look at which one those. We saw a couple, one or two docs. Um, and it was okay. The one there's one doc I want to see. It looks like the mole agent. It's called the mole. And it's like an. It's basically an 80 year old man has to like infiltrate an old folks home and talk to all the women or something like that. And it looks absolutely adorable. Okay, this is me truly in 60 years. I'm wanting to know. So first good. of all, Regina <laughs> King. I want to talk about how also how much of a badass Regina King is. But like my thing about Regina King, I first became aware of her she was in this like teeny tiny little mike white movie called year of the dog with molly shannon and she just has so the premise of the film is molly shannon plays this woman whose dog passes away she's very much an animal person and it's kind of like the death of her dog serves as like this kind of like emotional catalyst throughout the rest of the movie and regina king plays her like kind of best friend friend of convenience work colleague but Regina King is so fucking pitch perfect in that movie. There's a monologue that she has where she is just recounting having gone to the dentist. Or no, wait, she needs to go to the dentist because she has a cracked tooth. And it literally, it's like, she's like I remember. Like, I'm, on, I'm on her IMDb now. Oh my God. I, so she's someone good. who even, I think I saw that movie when I was 15. And I remember being like, whoever that lady is, I feel, is I feel very like the first special. thing I really saw her in was, down to earth the chris rock <gasps> oh wait a minute you're wait 
I lied. That's the first thing I saw her in, but I didn't know yeah. it. And I also want to say this. Like a great best friend character. Just like, I can't remember who she is, right? I can't, I don't remember. I don't remember at all, but do you want to know what I weirdly do remember? I remember seeing it in theaters. I saw. Oh, interesting. I mean, what. How truly, old would you have been? Maybe nine. Maybe in it, actually, now that I'm thinking about it. Because that was, I feel like that was 2000. Down to Earth to me feels very 2000. And I feel like I saw that. 2001. So, yeah, really right on. I was so close. So, I was 10 years old. I was. Second build. Oh, my God. We love this for her. And, um, no, she's very cool to me. But we should tell people also, you, for the millionth time, have just moved. Tell me about your new space. Do you love it? So, we've moved into a new flat. Yes. It's, oh, it's so nice. You love it. That's why we live. Yeah, this it's great. Like the all the windows are south facing. Mm. Um, there's like lovely brick. It's so tastefully done. The bathroom is like this is this is a fan. This is a nice hotel. Like it's so oh. great. It's so good. It's like oh, yeah. Have I sent you photos or a video yet? Not yet. Talking, not yet. About FaceTiming. We'll FaceTime after this. We'll, we'll go on a tour. Well, it's funny though because you really have emerged to me a new man because in the last two weeks that I've seen you new gorgeous apartment new gorgeous haircut i can't even like to the point where your aj sent me a picture of his haircut and it was actually so good i immediately showed my coworker who does not know who he is and i was like look at my friend's haircut and she was like it's so good and i was like i know like i was so like it was it's such a great cut i feel like you're looking good you're feeling good yeah Um, things are things are on the up and up right now like you know it's like and the weather's been really nice and the all the the beer gardens the pubs are open and so outside so it's like it's a time to be it's a good time it's a good time to be alive right now are you are how soon until you are you are eligible to be vaccinated i thought i think Lindsay was saying that like next month or something like that they're starting to do over 30s so i weirdly or maybe 45 days or something i don't know so in vancouver as of now, I am supposed to be eligible to like sign up to make my appointment, but the website keeps not like where you go to sign up to make your appointment. It keeps not updating. So they're still saying that they're only accepting 40 plus, even though on their initial press release, they were like, no, no, no. By this date, if you're 30 plus, you'll be allowed. And I'm like, but I keep going to the website and it keeps not letting me sign up because I'm not have over 40. a GP out there. Do you have like a girl? You know, I don't. You should look into that. You should find someone who does and see if they're taking patients. And then if you, because if you have a GP, then you just like, you just contact them. Maybe. I should, I mean, I should also, I could also make a phone call, I suppose, to the pharmacy around me that like is administering them and just kind of being like, do you know oh, what the deal is? Oh, and out of pharmacies? Oh, he might even just be like, come at the end of the day. Well, this is what, so this is what's happening now because I think they've largely moved through people who were like high, like high risk and sort of first priority. And now they're sort of, uh, they're doing like a rollout in relation to age bracket. And so, yeah, this is a situation where like now you make your appointment and then you just roll up to like a pharmacy and they're like, right this way. That's but, awesome. I know. I know so much, so the rest of the country is like not doing as well with their rollout. Well, but then here's the thing. I was talking to my partner and then I was like, it's so weird. They keep not letting me sign up. And he was like, I think it's because they ran out. Like the province ran out. And oh, I'm sure. Like, yeah. Oh, yeah. Obviously, which is such a hell, which is so funny that like you know, just running out of vaccines. It's just like, of course, the country that you're living in is the one that is like short on vaccines. The well, US all of a sudden pulls it out of their ass. Like, I know. Tailspin. Because here's the uh, thing. They're also the ones developing it. So it's like. It's theirs. They got it, they got it on tap. I it's know. Like, they're like, oh, well, is, no, we grow our own tomatoes. So don't worry. We've got salads covered. <laughs> Yeah, totally. It's totally the same thing. I believe me when I tell you, though, I have never wanted something inside of me so bad as this vaccine. I have never. I can't wait. 
I cannot wait. I cannot wait. Um, the thing that I will say that I'm up to in like addition to all my uh, little side hustles, I just watched, and if you've not seen it, I highly recommend it. It's so good, AJ. I've watched it twice. The new Tina Turner HBO documentary. Oh yeah, is it right? I wonder if we have it. What do we have it on? So go ahead. Do you have Crave? No, it doesn't. That's not out here. But we have. Oh, I think right, we have something right. that gets. It's called Now, and I think they get some HBO. Yeah, I'm. I maybe by this point you could even find just like a stream or gorgeous torrent of it. Who knows? But I will well, just I'm, say I'm torrenting as we speak. Just I know. Okay, I, I paused it. I paused it. Well, but honestly, for Francis McDormand, I would allow it. But. It is such an incredible movie. And, you know, you're talking to someone who's already pretty familiar with, like, Tina Turner's life. Like, I'm a big fan and big fan in the way where it's like, I've taken the time to do the YouTube deep dive where I've seen the TV documentaries produced on her, like, from the 80s, the 90s in Europe. I really do know, I know the minutia of her life. But Mm -hmm. there is still something about, like, when you watch this movie and when you see her life presented in such a way where you're like, over this long form, like it's a two hour documentary. And like, there's something about, uh, even of course in this like sliver, but like when you're witnessing this person's life in this two hour chunk and you really are sort of like going through the ups and downs of someone's life in this way. And it's such a well-constructed movie. It was honestly, it was just, it was incredible. I loved it so, so much. That would be a blast. It's two hours, eh? That'll be a blast. And it fucking flies by. And also- the amount I mean, no. of like ne- never before seen like footage, recordings, most demos, never, pictures. Never, most of it's never before seen for me. It's like fair, but like it's so, <laughs> it's one of those things where you're like, I kind of just can't believe someone has had this kind of life and has been able to sort of perform at that level for that, for that length of time it's unreal but i mean other than that i have to say like that's really like the new thing for me i'm trying to get out there i'm getting my steps in the weather here has also been really really nice um i, I sold step, are you getting what's your step count at oh i'm definitely clocking in my ten thousand a day no question good no question and i i'm my class sold out everyone for who oh, want great. who like who as is was maybe thinking about or wanting to sign up for this pilot writing course it signed up for this round but the next round is going to start up in may if you follow me on twitter the date's going to be made available to people in uh more concretely in a few weeks and then you can sign up for the next round but that's starting up on monday that's very exciting i'm still thirst trapping just like left right and center i'm doing what i can getting likes? you getting likes though what are you, are you getting them it's so funny sometimes yes sometimes no and i don't know how to really take that but the point is i've decided it's my art so i don't care also it's funny what happens to when you like i've noticed there's like a weird political thing that happens on twitter a little bit where like if you go viral the next few things that you post afterwards i feel like people aren't as quick to like it because they're like you just had a great big slice of pie like you're not also getting this right which is very funny um but as i texted to you this morning i was like i love that such a faction or such a such a platform can exist where I can go viral with like a video of Elaine Stritch post like winning an Emmy award and then twenty seconds later being like and now here's my body did that like get some did that one get some heat I saw you post that but I didn't take scroll it. I have to tell you we're looking at twenty thousand likes right now that's great that's that's a great, we love this that must be a, that's that's a dopamine rush you you need I know and I really I don't know what it is lately my can I be very honest with you? Please, I would be on, honestly if you were 
not truthful, it would almost just feel like, why are we talking about it? It's like, so why true. Are we talking every week. My brain lately feels like it is on fire. And I mean like this in a good way. Like, no, 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 no. Like maybe it's because the weather's getting nicer. I have no idea what it is, but like I am feeling charged up. I'm feeling ready. I'm feeling um I'm feeling alive in a way that I've never felt before. I feel like I'm firing in all cylinders. Um and I don't really know what to say. Like when you're talking about dopamine coming in. Yeah, you're like, just riding the yeah, you're just I have no it. I have no idea. I what day it is. I couldn't even tell you. I <laughs> but what I know to be true is I am feeling really like um I'm feeling very in my body. I'm feeling very present. present. Yeah, thank you. And and and, and, and probably and very excited by that too. You're like, oh, I'm I'm very connected right now. I'm I'm gonna. It's like it's like if you're if you knew you're lucid dreaming. You're like, I'm Ooh, gonna take this right. for a spin. Yeah, 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 like, yeah. I feel the power in my hands. That is how I feel, and I think it's like lately. Yeah, I don't, I don't even know how to. I don't know how to describe it. I just don't know how to describe it. But what I can concretely say is what I can concretely say is that I um I just am feel I don't know I feel alive I just feel wow. alive wow great I mean I was gonna I say I thought you were gonna say I was gonna jump in and say live from New York it's Saturday night I, I mean I opted not to I pulled the pin on that but I you should have I know that I that in my head <laughs> and then you and then said you know what I was gonna say but I'm not gonna say but I'm gonna say it because I'm gonna say it right now is I'm explain it I'm gonna explain this thing really quickly yes um I can't even begin to tell you because the thing is also, I think, I don't know. I think also what I've realized chatting to you is also a huge dopamine push for me. I think this is a thing I realized. I like, it's so funny. You and I have not chatted like this. It's only been a week. We only missed a week, but it's so funny when we go this long, I definitely like, I could feel myself being like, I'm excited to talk. Like I was very, and that's why I yeah. even messaged you. I was like, we could talk earlier if you wanted. And then I was like, um, um, I, know, I was deep. I was just like, so yeah, I was deep in my work. Yeah. This was like, I'm happy that, cause I think we've now kind of settled into this like Thursday night thing. And I think it's like, a nice thing. I, it's a great way to roll into the weekend where I could have a nice chat with you. That's great. Yeah. No, it's what, it's how, listen, also, I don't, Sorry, sorry, go ahead. No, say your thing. Say your thing, please. I just want to say, like, I think also so much of, like, why feeling so good is, like, you know, it's spring. Like, we're coming yeah. into, like, we're coming into the hot end of spring right now where it's, like. And maybe because vaccines are on the precipice, you're, like, maybe we can all, like, start to live some sense of, like, have our lives back a little bit. Yeah, have some sense of normality for sure. Exactly. I hope so. I can't wait. I truly can't wait. The world here, it's bumping. On the weekends, it's bumping. Is Outside, it? Nothing, nothing is, you can't eat indoors anywhere, but other than that. You can go in stores now, which is sick. I haven't really been in any, but then like just like pubs and outdoor markets, like all that's back up and running. Is it? Yeah, for for here, I feel like the city's taken a bit more of a sleepier tone. Only because, well, that's true, and it's not. I feel like when you go to a park, you're like, holy shit, people are really doing like the park thing. And still, I want to say like in a distance way, like you can tell people are being very careful about yeah. how they're positioned and spaced out. So that's all very good, but like there's um there's the sense like out on the streets it's really become sleepier because we also are not doing in restaurant dining we're still doing patio service but i think because that new phase of the lockdown has just come into effect for us i think there's still this like and i completely understand and respect it but there's this kind of like carefulness that people are having a little bit of like do we want to be at a on a patio even right now do we want to be at a cafe like so that 
I think has kind of like affected the whole the general vibe of the city. But that's uh, like the, that's like the equivalent of like not it's not spring; it's more of a fall, and in, in relation to where you are in oh, the yeah. lockdown. Yeah, so like we're not we're not we're coming out of like a a full lockdown. Like we're coming out of a full lockdown, but it's into into like post vaccine like so we're going winter to summer right now so our spring is like it's sprung whereas you, right. you're in like a bit of a fall where you're like oh, maybe although a tedious here i mean i don't know how is it going because i know in ontario it's oh fuck on ontario so wait we should say so that's where aj and i moved from respectively we were both living in toronto before you moved to england before i went to vancouver but yeah ontario right now is such a fucking shit show and the person who's the premier of ontario is like fucking the dog in such a huge way but in no, Vancouver right now. Coming. Wouldn't see that coming. Yeah, somehow he had zero foresight and no one knew that things were going to get so much worse. But if you didn't put in like appropriate preventative measures. But in Vancouver right now, there is also this nice like burst of energy because there's a fun thing that I've come to realize about this city. There's so much in the way of flowering trees and they have specifically oh. also planted them at certain times. So it's almost like the bloomage, um, the, the bloomage, the blooming is um, staggered. So it's like you have one round of cherry blossoms and then two months later you have another round of cherry blossoms and like, and there are magnolia trees. And I was like, and then there was like a day yesterday where I was walking down the street and there were just like stray, like cherry blossom, like petals, like being like whisked from the tree, like oh, onto the ground. It's just like bits of color. Like, I felt like, like I was in a like Hayao Miyazaki film. I was like, I am spirited away. Like this yeah, feels so well, good. Yeah, I just right. was like, wow, 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 wow. And <laughs> So it's been feeling pretty good from that standpoint. But, oh, I also have to tell you this. Because this is something... I've not done one of these in for fucking ever. And this has the distinction of being, like, also, like, my first COVID version of this. But I had to do a fucking, like, self-tape on the weekend or yes. this past week, which I was m- messaging you about. And I was like... First of all, to anyone who has to do a self-tape, and I don't want to be hyperbolic here, but truly give them the Purple Heart of Courage. Because this is... The worst thing a person can do. I had to FaceTime what with. What was friend. it? Was it so you were doing? So you were doing brutal use. So I have this pilot that I've. Shh, I have this pilot where I uh, that I've written that's very like very heavily premised and based on my own life. There is this production company that have like I think it's so funny. I actually have no idea if they've like read it or if they liked it, but they were but they are aware of the fact that I want to sort of have some hand in the like performing of the show, and they were like. And then I got a message from this agent who's kind of helping me out being like, um, well, do you have an acting reel? And I'm like, well, of course I don't because I've not been in anything before. And yet I have the kind of delusion. Where I'm like, but I could lead a show. Don't worry. I'll be, I'll, don't I'll, worry, everybody. I'll be, like, I'll be first bill. Oh, God, everyone. Like, I got it. Like, I'm on this. So, but I was like, okay, I don't have an acting reel because I haven't really been in anything. But I was like, but if you want, I was like, I'll put myself on tape for it. Like, I can do that. And he was like, okay, great idea. So then, but then of course, right away, I'm like, flop sweat because i'm like you should have sent it to me did you send it to me you should have sent it you oh sent my god it i didn't i did send it i'll send it to you though i'll send i know i know oh i'd love to see it my god i'd love to see it yeah Fuck, i didn't think that through anyway um i didn't want to bother you also like uh, aj i'm very busy i know it was due sunday you were doing it sunday no 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 it was so we did it i basically he gave he i got the message from him on monday being like hey, they want to see this. And then I was like... Monday, four days ago, Monday? Correct. And then I was like, so when do you want it in? And then he was like, I don't know, like Tuesday, Wednesday. But he was like, no rush. But I was like, okay, I'll try. I was like, I'll try and get into you on Wednesday. So I did. I got it. I got it in. But I was like, but then immediately I started panicking because I was like, oh, wait a minute. Like, I don't know how to 
do this because I was like, yeah, but here, I don't. Like it's because so much of it is like you, you know, you would know all the words, you would know all the dialogue, like internally. I know, but like, we're but you here's, just be like, it's but it's the actual mechanics of the self tape. This is the thing. This is the thing that kind of freaked me out because I was like, oh, I can't have a person over to read with me because I was like. Because right. of course of COVID regulations, and it's so funny. Someone in, in your part, Steve, you can do Steve. Oh well, it's it. so funny. People was like, people were like, oh, we'll just get your boyfriend. I'm like, I'd rather not get the part than act in front of my boyfriend. Like, are you fucking kidding me? Like, right, I, hear I, that. I was like, I just don't. Lindsay wanna... reads me all. The, Lindsay reads me all the time. Oh really? Yeah. Well, as of late. Oh yeah, she's a I guess so. Last handful. Yeah. I guess so. Been, yeah, it's yeah, it's it's actually like it's it's becoming quite a good setup. I think. It to me just was like I just can't handle that. So I. Yeah, no, I, I, I was like, I can't do it. So um, it's like, I, so what did I do? So I reached out to a friend of mine because I was like, I was going to c- contact you, but then I was like, oh, fuck, there's like an eight hour difference. Maybe this isn't going to be super feasible. So, so what, to like read it with you over Zoom? So here's what I did. I reached out to a friend of mine. And actually, this is her, her shout out, Jess Rionero, friend of mine, also guest from on the show. I, w- I reached out to her. I was like, can you like take an hour in the middle of the day I'm going to call you on FaceTime on my computer and then on my iPhone, I'm going to record myself. And can you just like be the other voice through FaceTime, like reading lines? Did she was you like, no even, problem. Did you even pretend, were you pretending to talk to someone who wasn't a computer or did you just talk to the computer? Cause that would have almost been really endearing. Well, it's so funny. I tried to be like, do I look right at the camera? Like how weird would that have been? No, absolutely not. Yeah, right. So um didn't do that, don't worry. Um, but you I was like at the camera the whole time though? I was like, listen here, other voice. <laughs> um really wildly gesticulating. Yeah. Um action's too big for the frame. But yeah, I was, was like it was, it was like right, it was like the tip of your finger just covering the whole You listen thing. to me. Um, but I was like I was like trying to do that and I was like, Oh, this is so fucking weird. Cause then of course it's also like there are internet lags and there'd be times when like her audio would cut out and I couldn't tell, is that a pause or did you break up? So then it's like, that was really weird. But then it was also just so insane. Okay. I want to talk to you more about this. I want to know what scene, like I want to like, I want to quickly. Oh, totally. I'll you and I can get into it for sure. But I was like, Oh, anyway, so I did that. And then, but this thing that I heard from so many actors and I actually was like, Oh fuck, I'm going to do that. And I don't know if you've, if you do this or if you already know about this, but, like Betty Gilpin, who's an actor who was on that show Glow, plays Liberty Bell, fucking amazing actor. But I heard this interview with her where she was like, when I do self-tapes at home, she's like, I never memorize. And then when the interview was like, oh, why? She's like, because I know I know how to memorize. And you get sides often like so fucking last minute. And she's like, the thing that they just want to know is that can you act? Like that's all they want to know. And they're like, they want to know, can you act? And also, is this accurate? Like, can you get the right. script accurate in the self-tape? You, right. And so she's like, she's like, I just tape my lines right behind the camera and I just read the lines. She's like, that's what I do. And then I can just focus on the acting of it. And I'm like, oh my God, that's so smart. So AJ, that's what I did. I think like. Really? That's interesting. Yeah. I just, yeah. I mean, I, yeah. To me, I could feel like, I know um, Dave Rial did this workshop where. Actor Dave Rial, kind of, yeah, Dave Rial, also known as Glenn Coco. Please go ahead. Please, please do that Googling and find that out. And um and he was doing a workshop where it was, it was sort of similar about just kind of like looking at the lines and then and saying the words or whatever. But uh, that's an interesting cheat. <laughs> yeah. And I bet it, to me, it, it did make so much sense because it's like, yeah, they don't like they're going to assume that you are someone who will show up memorized and off book. And if you know that you know how to do that, it's like take the pressure off yourself. Well, 
and just focus on the acting where she's at too like she's like you know great assault like she's like she's advanced enough in her career where it's like it's really there's so much of it too is like but do you look do you look right saying these words for this part like do you like feel right look right that's all we're really looking for not even like can you hit the beats are you a confident actor it's just like it's just like a quickest screen test as we can get done here right approach like that you're just like you basically just want to see me like say these words once or twice like that's all that really matters here like well and what is that thing that we've heard a million times which is like they a casting director and everybody like they already know who they're looking for and basically like they the only story i've ever heard where someone was like the person that got the job that did the diametric opposite of what we had preconceived was actually will arnett in arrested development for the job character they had Mitch Hurwitz and everybody had envisioned something like completely different. What did they envision? Did they I, give, like, did I they don't give re- references. No, they didn't say anything specific, but they were like, but then in bulldozes like Will Arnett and then creates that version of Job. And they were like, that's actually not what we meant, but like, let's do that. Let's do this guy. Let's, let's do that. Let's make, let's make this guy. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but I mean, it is also a weird thing when you're reading for a part where you're like, okay, this is very much like based on me. Like, it's going to be very, I will say this, like, the thing that I keep preparing myself for is they're going to be like, hey, we would love it if you could basically play yourself, but do you think the version of, this version of yourself could also be, like, 20 pounds lighter? And I'll be like, absolutely. Um, yeah, they're going to take a real, they're going to take a personal shot. They might well, you know, well. I, listen, I, I don't know if I've said this before on the show or not, but, like, show business is the kind of thing where, like, regardless of where you are, like, the second you step foot, in, like, off the plane, someone hands you, like, a pack of smokes and a diuretic and is like, you know, good luck. You know, like they just want you, they want you to like kind of bring it in. Um, you and I are going to keep chatting after this, but I want to say that uh, you're at AJ Vogie on all the social platforms. I'm at Liam Garrow. People should follow us there. I'm on Twitter. We're talking to Chelsea Pope today. Wonderful Chelsea Pope, cool. member of the Groundlings. Also very having a moment on Twitter because of her ongoing impression of White House Press Secretary uh, Jen Psaki. Very funny. We love her. It's a very good chat, and um, I don't know what else to say except for that, you know, I really do think of you as a person near and dear to my heart, and sometimes when I think about it enough, like right now, I get really legitimately verklempt because you are the love of my life. I don't know if you knew this, Um, and... I'd I'd like to imagine I wasn't aware, but... It's fun. It's fun to be. It's fun to act surprised, isn't it? Like, oh, what? I know. Yeah. It's kind of like you know, in like um, in like the early days, like when you're dating someone, like you know, there's like a vibe there, but like you still. I saw people make. I saw people <gasps> making out across the way, and the thing is, oh, it was awesome. Two people, and they clearly like it was their first makeout. And oh my god, there was like awkward giggles and stuff like that because you can kind of see into the building across when the lights on. It was. Lindsay had to tell me to stop staring at them. I was like, oh, they're having such a cute, like... (laughs) No, I have to tell you, when we lived in Toronto, um, so right across the street from Christy Pitts Park, which is like, so I think the intersection is Bloor and I I think it's Montrose, but there was like, it was that night. So of course it's like, if you have your, um, if you have like your overhead light on, like it's really making it obvious, right? Who's in the room? Because everything else outside is dark. Brings it up, yeah, yeah. Totally. (laughs) I like how I basically just explained light and dark to people everyone um i'm a scientist the point is so i'm so i'm like walking past i'm like i can't remember where i'm coming from but i am walking past this apartment and then like of course it's almost like a it's like a literal spotlight into this apartment there's like this light that's turned on and two people are like heavy making out and i'm talking like guy has a shirt off girls just like in bra and jeans like they're really going for it and i found myself and this is so awful to say but i also did just like find myself like 
stopping dead in my tracks and like watched them. Got and you. I, and, it, and I wish I could, I wish I could tell you like, oh yeah, like I stopped because I was like, this is none of my business. And I went about my evening. I fully only stopped because like they basically moved out of frame and I was like, well, okay. Oh, I'm sorry to hear that. Guess it's over. Guess it's over. These two kissed right at the, right at the window that they're sitting on the windowsill. It was just like. As though they were two pigeons just perched. Oh my God. I love that. Two pigeons perched. That's it. Well, I mean, you and I are going to continue this off mic, but for the time being, there's really, I think there's nothing left to say. We'll get to our chat with Chelsea, but you know, for the time being, say goodbye to everyone, AJ. Goodbye everyone. Oh my God. Oh my God. Yes, yes, yes. Okay. Can you Hello? hear me? Can you hear me? I can me? hear you. I can hear you. I just, I can hear you now. Oh my God. Chelsea, how are you? Good. How are you? I'm so good. We're recording right away. I hope that's okay. Totally. Yes, absolutely. Okay. We have to talk about, because people listening won't be able to appreciate, you have a stunning bedroom. Oh my God. Thank you. It's honestly, <laughs> it's so gorgeous. I, I have this feeling when I watch people who clearly have a very keen sense of what not only their tastes are, but then how they can like practically apply it to make like a room actually become beautiful. I'm so envious. Oh my gosh. <laughs> because I am a person who like just stacks shoes by the door and like wears clothes until they fall off my body. Do you see what I'm saying? No, I see what you're saying, but it's very utilitarian on your end. Like I respect, like I respect in a sense when that's like not a priority because sometimes being being wrapped up in this can be very much a mental clutter thing, you know? Like, Oh, isn't that interesting? Cause I, I mean, even just looking at your room now, I'm actually feeling so mentally assuaged by it because this I think would bring me so much peace. Cause when I go into people's homes where I'm like, no, 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 this has a place. Like this mm-hmm. belongs here. And yeah. this, like I knew a woman who was so on top of what was coming in and out of that apartment. She had a rule where if one thing came in, one thing had to go out. Oh my gosh. Yeah. That's, I, I've heard that one before, but it's, oh my gosh, I don't have that kind of discipline. Like I have stuff piling up. Like, I mean, it took, it took a long time to get this place even like this. And I'm not like totally satisfied with it, you know, but like, Mm. it's a process. I mean, I gotta like kind of thank quarantine for actually just like having the time to you know, make this space more of my own because it was just kind of a bunch of random junk and, you know. <laughs> my favorite thing is when is when it comes to decorating and when someone's like, what's your secret? And they're like, oh, well, my budget was $82,000. And you're oh like, God. like, you realize so quickly too, the reason why people are able to have nice things is because they have an income that enables this for them oh absolutely i think about that every time i look at apartment therapy and i'm like Uh, drooling over these like apartment tours and they're all like the same like super kitschy cute like eclectic like sort of scandinavian boho chic places and then they're always bragging that it's like oh i i found this or whatever you know or i i you know i thrifted everything but that in and of itself is like such a time privilege too like it's not just yes you're right it's a big one and people downplay that or they just won't like they they don't want to like admit that that's like a privilege that they have but even when you say that like you devote as much time as you do to finding all these like furniture i think that's awesome but also you know that's 
I mean, you, you have to really put a lot of time to get like that perfect rattan chair, you know, and all yes. that. Yes. Like, that's funny. Like when you, I feel like when you read like an architectural digest or something, I mean, I say this, of course, as a person who's never read that magazine, but I can imagine <laughs> this article would be there, you know, but it's like when they're like, yeah, well, you know, um, I was just, and of course, naturally, of course, when I'm talking about someone who's an art- architectural digest, you notice my voice goes to a really buttery place right away. And then it's like... <laughs> You know, when I was roaming the streets of Budapest, I just happened upon a street merchant who was selling, you know, authentic, you know, um, rugs that were indigenous to the area. And then it's like, oh, and how much did it cost? She was like, mm, $82,000. You're like, oh, that was the whole budget. So wait, sorry, to be clear, your whole budget wasn't even for the room. You spent $82,000 on the rug. Oh, I see. Oh, wow. Well, the rug yeah. better tie that whole room together. I'll tell you that. I mean, You know what it is? Chelsea, it's an accent piece. I don't even think about it. I, I don't even think about it. This character. I love this character for you. <laughs> Thank you. I have no real way to practically apply it. I I am not like you where I can slide into these characters and voices and also have the level of output that you have. Well, you, just, you, just, you just did it right now. With, oh, but I mean, thank you. That's very nice of you to say. I don't want to, um, like, not to gloss over. That's very nice of you. Um, but yeah, I mean... Uh, I mean, I just try and do like two, sorry, I, oh, sorry, I was just getting lint off of my computer. Um, <laughs> I gross. Uh, I'm glad this looks nice. This side is where all the dirt and the grime is. So yeah, like, what you don't know is actually behind this computer screen, Liam, you're like, there actually isn't a wall. My apartment looks out onto a full dumpster. Like, I love it if that was actually just what was behind your computer screen. <laughs> like, um, I actually live in a landfill and the computer is just, <laughs> the computer's back is too straight up garbage. It's amazing. I, I actually, I don't have a sense of smell. It's the only thing that, it's the only thing that works for me, you know? Yeah. So. <laughs> you know, when they say, you know, when they say it's like living next to the airport in terms of not hearing it, imagine yeah. that, but with smell, like I just yeah. don't smell it anymore. Disgusting. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but yeah. 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 What, I mean, you know, that's, uh, you feel, I feel like you have to compromise on like one thing or another when you're like living in the city you know whether I, I it seems like this is the case in New York as well but certainly in LA it's like you trying to find the right combination of a place that has like good lighting and the right square footage and the plumbing works and you know you're not having to you, you have hardwood floors not carpet or like it's so hard to get all of those things in one space like I feel like you always have to go like I, I have like wall-to-wall carpet for instance it's like it's so hard to get like a unit that has that like perfect, you know, apartment therapy vibes, you know? I didn't even know that wall-to-wall carpet, excuse me, I'm just coughing up the smallest piece of pizza. That's okay. I didn't even realize <laughs> wall-to-wall carpet was a thing anymore. Oh, I mean, you know, if you would think it, it wouldn't because like so many people hate it, but like uh, I'm living in it. <laughs> but I mean, it's weird. Most of the units in my building, they are like that, like that fake linoleum hardwood, you know, mm-hmm. but um, for whatever reason, this is like the one unit that was carpeted. And then they teased me with the option of swapping it out for linoleum, which I took. And then they were like, oh, actually for, for the layout plan of your apartment, we actually can't do that. So um, we'll knock $50 off your rent a month or whatever. But it's like, I mean, that, which I'll, I'll take that. But, oh, 100%. You know? I, I feel like the last time I was in a place that had wall-to-wall carpeting was probably my childhood home. And I remember it was like that old, like, um, it was like a dark, deep mustard yellow that oh only existed in the 70s. Oh my God, that's so weird. <laughs> it was like, it's the kind of color where like, no matter what you do, you're like, well, my house always looks messy. Like it just looks dirty. That's the thing about carpet in general. Like I, right. you know, 
you you really have to like put in the investment and it's like a kind of a lifestyle choice because you have to vacuum more often you have to like steam the carpet every so often if you have pets oh my god like although um, how satisfying are those steam like those steam clean videos or like those power wash videos like where someone just like goes to town on like an old rug and -hmm. it just is like brought back to life i mean i early pandemic days i was watching those videos honest to god on a loop i could not get enough of it they're satisfying it's all it's like the same as like those videos where they're cutting the soap the the soap bars all of those oh my god i have a I have an account that I follow on Instagram. It's a modern art account, but then every Sunday they post like a satisfying Sunday's post. And it's always like they're, they're deep cleaning a rug or they're cutting up soap bars or it's some other like the, some other Play-Doh thing that they're doing where it's like just incredibly soothing to watch. Or those videos where like they just have like a power compressor and it just squishes things. Oh, and, and you <laughs> see the, well, you see whatever's being sort of residually coming out through like the openings in the presser. Yes. Oh. Oh my god, those are so satisfying to watch. I know. I'm curious. This is here's what I kind of have pieced together about LA though, is that no one is from there. Like every single like there is this weird thing. Like when you meet someone who's like, Oh yeah, I was born and raised here, you're like, Well, you're an alien or you're Rashida Jones. Like I don't believe yeah. that there's a single person who lives here except for aliens or Rashida Jones. So where have you come from before LA? Um, you know, I'm not far from from here i grew up in rancho cucamonga i was born in sacramento i've been in california my whole life but oh, wow um, when i was a little kid we moved to rancho cucamonga um where is know, that it's about an hour in full traffic it's about an hour to an hour and a half east from here if you like you know you hopped on the 10 or the 210 freeway and then just like drove east for the better part of an hour um, right yeah then you you would eventually end up there um, and it's, I mean, it's just a very, it's in San Bernardino County. I think maybe the closest other things to relate it to are that like, it's on the way to San Bernardino. I would say it's like the two thirds point to San Bernardino. That's okay. Where you're okay. Um, and it's probably, I would say like the equidistant point between LA and Rancho would maybe be, maybe not Pasadena, but like, like, oh, Claremont or... I don't know, not Claremont. Um, I see. I just I haven't been back there in a while. It's just a boring suburb, and I don't, I don't really have a lot of ties to it. To be totally honest, it just was a place that I grew up in and was just bored out of my mind. And um, it's a very uh, sort of right wing type of suburb. Like it was very oh, no. it was kind of a red dot in a blue county. Um, How interesting. So, yeah. Um, Is your family still there? No, well, uh, no, uh, we weren't like my family family wasn't like quite from there. Like my mom's side of the family is sort of spread out mostly in like Southern California, um, like Los Angeles, like my grandmother, she has a house in Glendale, but she also has a house in Fresno. And, um, so that's where my aunt and cousins live is up in Fresno. And I have a few other cousins that live in Pasadena. My mom's side of the family is Armenian. So that's why there's a lot of you know, there's a bit of an Armenian hub in that Fresno area because of the the farmland, uh, and down here because uh, LA Glendale area. Um, this might be a totally wrong factoid, and maybe you're privy to this, maybe you're not. And if I'm wrong, please correct me. My understanding is that, like, second to Armenia, mm-hmm. California boasts like the second highest population of Armenians. I, I mean, that actually sounds correct to me. Now, granted, I'm I'm like probably the worst Armenian. I don't really. <laughs> I'm not like that in 
and I wasn't really raised with the culture. I would maybe see relatives once a year, if that. Um, and I mean, I was mostly just, I'm just like a white kid raised in front of a TV kind of thing, you know, but like. That is, can I just yeah. tell you something? If, yeah. if if there was something I had to put on my tombstone, it would be that. A white, white kid <laughs> raised, in, and raised in front of a TV, that, is, that, felt, um, that felt uncomfortably close to the bone, Chelsea. I really have to tell you. <laughs> Well, if I saw that gravestone, I'd be like, wow, I relate to this dead person. That's great. <laughs> like, I wish I had known this dead person before they passed. That would have been, were you like a total latchkey kid? I know I definitely was. A total what kid? A latchkey kid. What's that mean? It's basically, so it's this, it's a term that was invented in the 80s because all of a sudden there were parents, like both sets of parents were working. And so then <laughs> for people who couldn't afford or didn't have childcare, they would then just give their children keys to the house. Oh, and so then, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So then children were just going back and forth to school from home by themselves and then basically doing what I think you and I were both doing, which was planting ourselves in front of the television for like, honest to God, seven hours a day. That's pretty much, that's pretty much what it was. I think my mom, you know, I think my mom had some insecurities about the idea of us, about my sister and I being latchkey kids at some point because we used to be babysat a lot. And what was annoying was that we would have to go to these We'd have to walk to these houses of um, the babysitters, which were usually just parents of like other kids that were around our age that were stay at home and like would let us come Same. over. Totally. Like, I would just watch TV. Like I, you know, I just wasn't, I wanted to just go back to my house and just, I was like, I'm not going to raise any trouble. Just like, I, can I, I want to go back to my home that has the smells that I know so yes. that I can, I can have control of the television because it's my television, you know, like um what were yeah. what was your like what was the primetime block like do you remember the shows that were on like that you were watching and really were heavily invested in from like the second you got home like what were those shows that you where you were like give me it well when I was like little so like I would say the elementary school years definitely like Nickelodeon like no Classic. like no competition I would just turn on Nickelodeon and that would be that my sister was more of like a Disney Channel kid she really particularly loved like Lizzie McGuire and all those shows mm. um, I wasn't as into those but I I mean I loved like I loved all of like the Nickelodeon cartoons I loved Hey Arnold and Rugrats um I also liked you know some everything in the Nickelodeon catalog pretty much I had a I had a I had an opinion about one way or another did because I weirdly was thinking about her today and this is also, I'm not asking this as a joke. Were sure. you in love with the Amanda show? I, I really liked the Amanda show. Okay, I will here we go. Say, <laughs> I will say when I was a kid, I loved all that. Mm -hmm. um, and when she split off and did her own show, I was kind of... You're like, you traitor. How fucking dare you bite the hand that feeds you? A little bit of that and a little yeah. bit of she's funny but i don't know if she can carry her own whole show like i don't know if her i that's it, it was the same thing that i that sort of put me off i think about nickelodeon or i mean about uh disney uh with their with their like young stars and whatnot and may, maybe sure it was probably like a like a jealousy thing or i just didn't feel like i could really connect with those child like the child stars that they had at the time like mm -hmm. i was i just wasn't really vibing with hillary duff or like even steam of it like I, I didn't really care for their like the personalities of those like young stars for whatever reason like all that is an ensemble I really enjoyed and of course I, I, I really liked watching Keenan and Kel and if the Amanda show was on I liked it there were certain there were certain uh segments I enjoyed like um the block blister thing I think is still oh right really right um 
but there was also like it, it just it just the the Amanda please the Amanda please character stuff was was uh, I feel like diminishing returns. I was just kind of I, I don't know. I and maybe that's a controversial take because I, I actually did like Amanda Bynes and I uh, I'm a little sad for her sometimes as far as her career stuff goes because um, I mean Dude, no totally. no child star is left unscarred it seems you know because it seemed like she was gonna kind of come out okay. <laughs> right speak. it was so true she was the person who was like approaching her i guess like late teens and early 20s and there was totally this thing of like she made it yeah she's she, the only one that didn't like that didn't crack or whatever but it's also like i mean it's not fair that you know we should uh one that we should put actors in that position or their or whatever but uh also that just that added pressure too of like well, you're the good kid, you know, so keep it together. Like. Which to me also feels very, like, child entertainment as well. Mm-hmm. Like, that does to me feel very um, Disney, Nickelodeon-centric, which is like, great news, eight-year-old. You get to be an actor on a show and a role model to millions of children. Exactly. Don't screw this up. Yeah. And the, and the pressure, in it, and I remember that kind of becoming part of the narrative as she was, when she would be interviewed in magazines and whatnot, where that was just part of, that was part of the interview process is people just constantly being like, wow, like you turned out so good. Wow. Totally. Like, you're such a good kid. And like, just, I can only imagine how much more that, you know, cause I, between my sister and I, for instance, and I, I relate to this idea of like, well, oh, you didn't turn out like your sister. You're the good kid. You, you know, you're, you're good. Oh you my God. You, you didn't succumb to, to, uh, the, to op- the opiate problem in town. You didn't succumb to, you know, drinking and this good kid you are. And then it's like, well, no, like I'm going to bust. Like I'm under so much pressure. Chelsea, what you don't know is that you and I were raised in the same house. And what you also don't know is that you and I were the same child. So wait a minute. So is it safe to assume your sister older? Yes. How much older? Um, 18 months, about a year and a half. Um, Irish twins. And, um, so my sister's actually quite older because she's from a previous marriage. So my sister's eight years my senior. Oh my goodness. And so by the time I was a small child, my sister at the age of 16 was like, yes, I will absolutely start very seriously investing myself in cocaine to the <laughs> point where I would like to make my secret pet project forging a $6,000 check at the age of 17 to pay for this habit. Oh, 100%. This is what, wow. oh no, no, no. She was, this was the real deal. And so I relate to this thing also of, I don't know if this lands for you at all, but I think there was, for as much as I was like a latchkey kid and loved TV and also loved absorbing comedy and falling in love with actors and all of that stuff, like there was something I think very sedate and very numbing about TV because I think there's something about when you are living with a drug addict, family member, sibling, what have you, the whole point of being a drug addict is like you are numbing out, mm-hmm. which leaves everyone else around you feeling everything. Yes. And it's yeah. almost like you are then trying to look for your own out or your own like little piece of oblivion. Yes. Oh my gosh. Absolutely. And I think, I think, uh, you know, if you, if there are addictive tendencies in your family, I think it's safe to, to assume or, or at least look into the idea that you yourself have these, all these, addictive tendencies that you need to address in one form or another. And, and I think, uh, relatively speaking, TV is fairly innocuous compared to 
the alternatives that are available to wayward youth. Um, yes. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, I definitely, I mean, TV was extremely soothing and comforting for me. I, I watched a lot of movies. I, I would, I was very introverted. I would hole up in my room and just kind of just constantly just be watching TV and shows all day long. Um, or sometimes I try and like push myself to read more. Um, I was somewhat bookish, but like that, my attention span started to wane. And then, um, you know, when the internet, then with MySpace and all of that coming up, I, I remember wasting a lot of time on the internet, just looking at stupid, stupid shit on whether it's MySpace or Live Journal or. Do you uh, remember that br- bracket of time though, where MySpace was when it was just starting? People like people like Lily Allen, people like Adele, like people were getting legit recording contracts from having yeah. a MySpace page. Did you also share the same delusion, even though I don't have any prowess in any musical faction, but I had a very young, naive idea of like, oh my God, I'll just like get a MySpace profile, put up some demos, and then just like get a quickie contract. No big deal. Did I, I really, I had this idea of success for myself where I'm like, it is just that easy. No, <laughs> that easy. You bring up a really great point because that, for me with MySpace, it was the first time I saw like the value of social clout via the internet that was like like we i feel like we were kind of that first generation that experienced um patient zero (laughs) yeah yeah Yeah. that that experienced how how um how having like a strong social media following and and having that that online platform manifests into people treat like you know being better like more popular in school and just like the people who suddenly the people who were becoming popular during the time that I was um like going into you know more so high school than middle school but certainly by high school um it was a different type of personality than sort of like the cookie cutter like 80s 90s popular kids it was a little more like a, a little more of like a hip online savviness that you had to have in a way. Um, you know, like kids that were like really good with HTML suddenly had like a lot of cloud on their side. And totally, um, you know, well, that it almost feels it's like the same now on Twitter. Like I feel like if you are someone, if you are a funny person on Twitter and you know how to use Photoshop, you yeah. absolutely will right away have like 50,000 followers. Cause you understand how to like shape something to look the way that you want it to. And for a funny, in a funny way, like, I'm. I don't know if you follow this person, but I've become friendly on Twitter with Tom Zohar. Uh, I probably have seen their stuff. I don't know. I'm not so bad with names, but uh, no, no, no. But yeah. it's like, but he is a person who like he has a very sharp pop culture lens and grasp of things, and yeah. he also can use Photoshop, and so he's good at like basically doing that thing that is like look at these two things that are different but watch what happens when you put them together and you're right. like and then it's like and eh, 50,000 likes and, and you're that's right the, the basis of comedy and that's and that's that's also too like part of the popularity machine that was growing via MySpace was having this this super pop culture savviness um being being particularly like fashionable and knowledgeable in that internet fluent way you know and so yeah definitely people like with with photoshop skills which like i i it's still part of like a non-priority to-do list where i'm like i should learn how to i should sit down and learn how to do that or editing a little bit better like those are those are useful tools to have that will help you build a following like we really were like the first generation to discover 
as youth, like just the importance of like how an online following, like this, like with MySpace musicians popping off and, and you know, that, that, that eventually leading into pathways for like comedians as well. I think we even had like sort of a mini renaissance of that feeling in the last year or so with front facing camera comedy Mm. Um, on Twitter and especially on TikTok. I think once people became more comfortable with the platform of TikTok, um, people started like comedically exper- experimenting on there. I think more so than like, I-, I think initially people were just, yeah, they were just doing TikTok for like dancing and music. And then people started getting a little more fluent with it in other ways. And well, yeah. I can't, I'm blanking on who it was, but there was a woman who like, literally this is a woman who is like, been a professional film editor for 30 years, I think has been nominated for Oscars and is like, and I think she said something to the effect of like, I am watching 16 year olds do on TikTok what people in my industry still are struggling to do after 20 years. Like there's also such a faculty being built now with like younger people of understanding how to edit for comedy in a way that like we wouldn't have had just because the technology wasn't there, right? Right. And- And really, like, there are people, I mean, it feels like anytime there's, like, a there's a boom of anything, like, the ratio stays the same, but it's, like, for as much as, for as much crap sort of elevates the surface, like, so does good stuff, right? Yeah. And, like, yeah. and there are people on TikTok where you're, like, no, that was a very good one minute long short sketch. Like, oh, absolutely, really pulled it together. Yeah, I've been really blown. Like, I, I, I mean, part of the reason I think it, I was, I feel like I was sort of slow to start with with doing TikTok was that I was initially just exploring the app and looking at what other comedy and content creators were doing, and like, it's very intimidating when you see the best of the best like doing their stuff and like. Mm-hmm. I know there's one girl who's like a very young filmmaker who does these like perfect loop videos that are like super artsy and she probably her biggest like the first time I saw her was like probably one of her most viral videos which was her doing um basically a uh like a Wes Anderson video I don't know if you'd seen maybe you've seen it or or I don't know but she's doing she's playing she's making a stylized Wes Anderson one minute comedy video and down like from the writing to the way she dressed and the way it was edited and the color contrast it was just like mind-blowingly good and well totally it's it's so I don't know and it's it's funny TikTok I think is the first sort of piece of software I've come upon where I'm like I've it's the first time I've really been aware of my age yeah so I like I'm not and I'm also not trying to posit myself as like I'm so old but so I've just turned 30 which is young but it's it is just old enough that for something like TikTok Mm -hmm. like if you're not kind of in on the ground floor it does really feel like you're having it does kind of feel like a brand new species of animal and as you're like holding it and I think intimidating is totally the right word because you're looking at the interface and that's not familiar to you and it's like and it does it it makes me feel like I am my grandmother holding a remote control like that's what it feels like I totally I'm, I'm we're about the same age I'm turning 31 in June and I mean yeah I definitely was 
really like <laughs> I, I was struggling with coming to terms with like the feeling of of getting older and like when you're on an app like TikTok it's just a constant reminder <laughs> it, you know like you have to you have to know how to sort of just uh insulate yourself from that that self-judgment you know because it's so easy to do that when you see like a lot of younger more technologically savvy more uh more you know uh comfortable with the platform uh people doing their thing you're just like oh man like how can i what what like is, is there any room for me or all, all the all the funny people spots are full like i don't i can't well and it is i think attached also to this idea for me anyway of like oh like oh we're not going to be the young people forever because i think yeah. for such a long time and of course you know the millennial age bracket spans i think it's like it's something ridiculous. I mean, I've heard different iterations of what the actual sort of bookend of that, um, you know, sort of that populace is, but I've heard approximately that it's like 1983 to 1999 or something. Like, it's a huge, it's huge, right? Yeah. But we, but you and I yeah. are the generation of people where all of a sudden that, like, we were teenagers and young adults by the time that word was really sort of coming to fruition yeah and i i think by and large it really felt ascribed to us being the younger people of that age bracket or ish right being 1991 but then all of a sudden in the last you know year or two when you're hearing more about like gen z and gen people are talking about gen z and the way that they're yeah, talking about millennials absolutely. and it, i have to say it is in my brain a little bit it did kind of make me go like oh, that thing that people say is going to happen is happening where it's like, oh, yes, we are getting older and we're, we aren't exactly. going to be the sort of young figuring ourselves out, floundering people forever. Like we're going to, we're becoming adults now. Oh, isn't that interesting? Yeah, absolutely. It's like, oh, now we're getting older and this is, there's a certain accountability that needs to be had here. And, uh, you know, we, we still don't have it all figured out, you know, by and large. And, um, there are aspects, there are differences in like, in sort of very generalized ways about the personalities between millennials and Gen Z, which, which I find fascinating. Um, and it's, it's, yeah, I mean, it definitely, I, I feel like I'm getting old sometimes. I really feel like a grandma sometimes, but it's like, we're not, we're really not that old, but it's no, we're not of aging. Like, we're not um, I, I get so defensive i just start crying blood well but and i also i kind of do feel very out of my depth when i'm on tiktok because i also am i'm sure not unlike the generation prior to us looked at us but like i'm sort of bowled over at the the way in which younger people have a i suppose um how would i even say this a a framework culturally for the world that I yeah. certainly wouldn't have had it, you know, 15 and 16 yeah. Yeah. or, and, and then certainly, you know, with how socially progressive and advanced their politics are and how yeah. yes. knowledgeable I mean, they are. That's like, exactly that. Like I was just so we're, I feel like I, I can't speak for everybody my age, but I myself was so wrapped up in my own small world. Yeah. You know, and like, and, and we, I think we had sort of a, a sort of a privilege in a way of not needing to feel worldly or, or politically engaged. It was less of a, it was less of a necessity. I think there was less anxiety and a less of an impending doom sort of thing happening in terms right. of like, we're, we're, you know, we're approaching some serious environmental crises and, 
you know, there's, there's a lot of upheaval happening globally and, um, and that's only going to just continue to, to happen. Intensify. Well, Intensify, I, that's the word. I, I often, I actually have often referred to the nineties as like the last, it, it, there's this movie from the nineties called the age of innocence. And like, mm-hmm. but that is how I feel about the nineties, but it was very like, gilded age. Yeah. But it's like, but it very much feels to me like the last age of innocence in a way, which, and there are pros and cons to that because yeah. on the one hand you have younger people who are far more savvy to social issues and have an understanding, let's say of what an idea like privilege means and certainly are far more. And I'm talking, I suppose now particularly for white people about being attuned to like, racism and what does it what's a microaggression and how do we process sexism on the micro macro level and all of those things but there is this added part of it and i i again it's good and bad but there is this added element though where i think or i don't know maybe someone who has a younger child could speak to this better than i could but i wonder about what kids lose in knowing as much as they do and having as much available to them in terms of being able to look up anything they want without really frankly like an adult lens or context to help inform what it is they're seeing like i even just think about like six-year-olds know how to break through firewall safety protectors installed by their parents on their internet browsers you know what i mean and then what does that mean for a young curious brain who then also knows how to use a computer Yes. Yes. No, I mean, I think there's a, there's a lot to be said about that. The internet has become, you know, far more expansive than when we were younger. I mean, you really can't and Google anything. I mean, the, 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 the catalog of YouTube is insane. Now the, the amount of information and disinformation that can be had. And also, you know, the things like, um, like Q- QAnon message boards. I mean, it's depending depending on what you're exposed to and what yeah. emotional place you're in. I mean, if, as a, as a teenager that's still developing your 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 psychological uh, needs and 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 um, being vulnerable to that. Like when I, I I mean, I was I was very sensitive. I'm still a very sensitive person, but like growing up, I was extremely introverted and sensitive and. Um, you know, I had the things that I, that I clung to, uh, my media that I clung to, but I, I wonder, you know, had I been more, um, had I been like a bit more vulnerable and had there been some more kind of slippery slope outlets like these problematic message boards, for instance, um, you know, those can have some pretty dire consequences. Um, well, yeah. and again, it's all for like, for like the growing brain also, mm-hmm. like I, I read this article not actually terribly long ago and kind of a bizarre uh, pivot I'm about to make, but I mean, it is related, which is like mm-hmm. for teenage boys, especially mm-hmm. there's this thing that they're finding and they have actually called it this, they're calling it porn brain, which is that because, because so much is available to them online and that's, what yeah. they're, and they're watching so much of it it's really warping their idea of what sex actually is. Right. Oh my gosh. Yeah. So, the, I mean, that too, like, right? the, like the amount of porn on the internet is, is I can only imagine the impact that would have on someone who's, who's just developing their mind. Like, I mean, like insane. I remember what you, when YouTube first started, like, here's how on the ground level I was with it. When I was a teenager, I really was a very, still am, but like, especially then huge, 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 
uh, Cindy Lauper fan. Really oh, started yeah. to really started to go backwards. Loved it. But I remember like, you know, you'd look up, you know, person you liked and saw, okay, well, what's popping up for them on YouTube? And I like, I remember early enough days when you would look someone up and there would only be like 35 videos attached to their name. Yeah. And how only one or two maybe would get added every single day and you could sort of like keep up with it. <laughs> you know yeah. what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah it was yeah. felt, it somehow felt a little more manageable, but I'm curious to know if you're someone, cause I know I I definitely was also very introverted, very quiet, quite shy, but I also didn't sort of, I, I don't know. I can see things in my sort of current pursuit of a, I don't know, artistic vocation would have you that feel very in line with sort of helping to acquiesce some of those shyer tendencies. But, you know, you are a person who really dove into being a performer and not only being a performer, but being someone who like, performs on stage in front of people because you're you're a part of the groundlings yes yeah i mean there's sunday company i mean we've been on a hiatus for, well, for sure well, yeah. covid but yeah i mean it it i mean from a young age i i always liked the feeling of like that expressive freedom of being on stage and, and performing and being perceived i like i didn't i wanted to to, to have i i wanted that that outlet and being a performer was was where that was. I struggled with accessing that from a, from a young age, and mm-hmm. I also just didn't think I was very funny. Like I wanted to be funny. I just I didn't I didn't know how to be funny. I didn't think I could be for a really long time. And and, and uh, while I did do some community theater, musical theater, um, you know, it was it was not something that I I felt entirely confident was was like the right path for me I guess but I mean the sooner you realize that there there's like no such thing as a right path it's just what you make of what you want for yourself you know it's like that's that's uh been the hardest thing for me to learn even still I mean I still now it's like you have to you have to make it a conscious habit to to make that your lifestyle like you know you have to you have to live the life you want in the moment as as opposed to projecting this idealized self this idealized um dream life that you can only have you know in the future you know then you'll never get there so um you know growing up i i struggled with 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 being more expressive and extroverted and then as i got older then i finally force myself to do that more you know is do you recall there sort of being a dividing line in the sand that you sort of could remember saying like okay i am i am not going to be when i say casual in my in your pursuit i don't mean in relation to how much you cared about it but i even just mean like do you recall a moment where you said okay no 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 we're gonna really go for this and we're gonna really try and make this a part of our you know of my life and make this you know my work do you do you have that moment I had I had several I would say and in, in, in to varying degrees of intensity. I think you know I remember when I was probably about ten was the first time I was like, I want to be an actor when I grow up, mm-hmm. you know. And uh, I remember not really being taken that seriously. Um, my family didn't. I think they just, they didn't really see that in me. You know, people in my life didn't really see that for me. Um, and they knew I was more like an academic person, like student and. Um, you know, I had good grades and I think I was really being pushed to kind of go a more traditional um, 
college route. And, you know, f- f- there, of course, there's also all these other factors of like family drama and trauma and all that fun stuff. But, mm-hmm. uh, you know, feeling that that was uh, like a realistic goal for me. I want to say maybe around high school, I was really starting to actually audition for like community theater roles. I was really trying to do it and figure out like, oh, what are these other people that I admire from movies and TV shows? Like what did their paths look like? You know, I frequently like would look up what their histories were, what they did as they were growing up. They usually did like community theater. They usually, they went oh, to- I used to know school. where every actor went to university. I exactly. used to, yeah, yeah totally. And I looked at that and I, I remembered, you know, um, wanting to, re- really, really wanting to go to acting school. I really wanted a BFA. I really wanted to <laughs> do that. Yeah, um, totally. But there are a lot of problems with that. There's a lot of financial privilege that actually is part of, pursuing that arts uh degree can Um, i I share a story with you really quickly when i was 11 because i had a similar thing for myself of no i want to be an actor but also i think not the similarly to you and i think maybe this is also i wonder if part of our idea that we were shaping about this was also attached to people constantly telling us like you're the good child and the responsible child and that you know because i also then had this idea of well if i'm going to go about this i'm going to really do it in the sort of quote-unquote proper way and i will i will be trained and i will take it seriously Head, nail yes. on the head. I was like, yes, I want to, I want that proper train. Like, I mean, I'm, I'm fucking, I auditioned for Juilliard. I auditioned for like NYU and uh, NYU Tish. Uh, so and, that was the, yeah. that was the big school I wanted to go to was mm-hmm. NYU. And I remember being 11 or <laughs> maybe even 13. No, it could have very well been like 11, 12 or 13, as young as that. And I remember sitting with my mom. So remember too. So I'm in Canada. So there's, so not only is that university expensive, but then when you're a foreign, oh, yeah. foreign student, right? How that, anyway. That even more, yeah. Correct. So I remember sitting with my mom and my mom, by the way, eternally optimistic, incredibly supportive. Oh, and man. I could tell even in the moment, this was a bizarre, like she felt it was a bizarre thing to be saying, but she turned to me because of course she's looking at the price of the school. Yeah. And she just looks at me and she goes, I don't know that this is possible. And I could tell how difficult that was for her to, yeah, for her to so tell heart, me. That, that's a heartbreaking thing. That's a heartbreaking thing to to, to cope with. And and uh, similarly, although this wasn't until I was twenty, because um, you know, I, I there there's a, there are a lot of reasons for why I didn't um, really try to get into a conservatory sooner. I had auditioned for things, but at one point I was trying to do this thing called the Young America. I don't know. I got kind of sidetracked my senior year of high school and it kind of screwed up the college application process for me a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I, two years into junior college, I got accepted into Cal Arts, which was my, like my dream school in California as far oh, as- Oh, I've heard of Cal Arts. Yeah. Yeah. So that was, I was really stoked on that. And then, um, my community college totally fucked up my Cal grant. And I just, and, and on top of that, just, it was already such an expensive school. And I remember like my mom saying she was willing to, to help me co-sign on like a, a, an extremely large private loan just for the first year. And I would have to go there four years. You have to start over as a freshman, you know, you obviously mm-hmm. don't transfer. Um, but it just was going to be such, such a steep amount of debt for just the first year. And 
Um, not only that, but my mom had been like on and off unemployment. I mean, her, we weren't, it wasn't even guaranteed we could even get approved for that private loan. And there was no one else in my life who would have even considered wanting to co-sign on, on that deep of a loan for an acting degree, you know? Well, were you also raised by a single mom? Uh, yes. Yeah. So, so was I. And, yeah. and I, and I think, and I'm mentioning this cause I do think there's this I, maybe this is my projection, but I feel like m- there's probably something in there that you're going to land on, which is uh, I also had a very, from the time I was very young, a very keen sense of wanting to behave in such a way where I felt like I wanted to do the right thing by my mom, but also in such a way that I felt kind of could protect her a little bit mm-hmm. and not put her at odds with something in her own life. And so I, like, in I also, I think, had this kind of relationship even with money specifically, where I was like, well, I don't want to do anything that's going to sort of be in a position for mom financially, because she already has that with my sister, and I don't want to be that burden, and I'll, I'll be very independent financially and socially and all of that, which does also mean, though, that you have to make a lot in the way, again, for me anyway, I had to make a lot of negotiations around not being able to maybe to pursue things as ardently as I saw people my age yes. doing so because yes. they had the support of their parents financially because they also there was two parents and oh yeah yeah and I found out by the way I found out years 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 later people who I would like kind of notice at the time like wow they're able to like audition a lot and go to seemingly every class they want to go to so and blah 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 and then realizing afterwards like oh because their parents paid for everything there's a huge economic disparity in terms of the, I mean, then that's where I really, for the very first time, although this is something that had been in the back of my mind for a long time, as far as pursuing an acting career goes and wanting to do it the proper way, you know, doing it the proper way is doing it with like the full price tag and that's getting, and that's, you know, there's a reason why you really only see like, um, you you only see like sort of two types of student in these acting programs that are either like uh, extremely wealthy <laughs> people or people who maybe weren't or who aren't as wealthy but they're you know it's it's yeah it's it's because because this is a person who we, I for me I always I thought it was three types it was people who totally had their way paid by their parents mm-hmm. it was people who managed to really get in there on some incredible scholarship. Yeah. Or it was people who just said, okay, you know what? I will bite the bullet and I will go $300,000 into debt for my BFA. Realistically speaking, that's probably what would have happened. And I just, that, that is such a jaw dropping amount of money that I didn't really consider was going to be the reality of, of taking that on. And, um, I just, I mean, you know, I had to let CalArts go because of that. I had to like turn down the acceptance and just, that was like a really Mm. heartbreaking thing. And I, um, you know, more than anything too, I just, uh, I was a very disgruntled high school honors student and I was a B student who like had a lot of pride about like believing I was really an A student. <laughs> and then, uh, so I, you know, I was like, you well, know, the joke's on you guys. I can actually be an A student if I applied myself. So there you go. Yeah, I just didn't, yeah. I didn't prioritize high school because of a, a number of, of reasons. And then I just was, you know, when I didn't get in, well, when I got into CalArts, but couldn't afford it, um, and I really only applied to like 
two or three schools that I really wanted to go to. Cause other than that, it's like, well, why would I, why am I, what's the point? Mm-hmm. Uh, I was being kind of elitist about it. And uh, so I was just like, you know what, fuck it. I'm just going to pivot and get an academic degree. I have straight A's. I'm just going to get an English degree. I'm going to reapply to you because I got waitlisted at UCLA, but I didn't get into their, I made the mistake of auditioning for their musical theater program when I should have just auditioned for their acting program because I had a very strong acting and singing audition, but the dance audition was was trash. You're and, an actor who moves well. This is the term. You're an actor yeah, who moves well. That's exa- yes. And that's someone, if I had had a kind of better guidance about this, I think I would have... Um, because it, that was one of those programs, unlike NYU's audition experience, where it's like you audition for, you can audition for their musical theater, but their CAP 2-1 program. But if you don't get into that, you can still get considered for the Playwrights Horizons and all those other, the my, whatever, uh, you know, Stella Adler, whatever. Whereas uh, UCLA, it was like, if you chose musical theater and you don't get into that one, you're not going to get considered for the acting one. That was your shot. Oh. And I and I didn't really comprehend that. So I got an academically to UCLA. I got waitlisted at NYU, and then I got into CalArts. And then when I couldn't afford CalArts, and I just was really frustrated by the financial privilege of all of this, too. Yeah. I was like, you know what? I know I'm going to get great scholarships academically. So I'm going to pivot to an English degree. I'm only applying to UCLA. So I spent one more year in JC. I got into UCLA and got like some very good academic scholarships. And I was like, you know, I just need to get the paper. I just want to get this goddamn paper done. Yes. <laughs> and um, I'm going to go to LA and then I'll be in LA, you know? And, and that's when I took my first groundlings classes when I transferred to UCLA in um, 2011. Uh, is when I took my very first improv class because at that point, that was around the time Bridesmaids had come out too. And I was like a really big SNL fan growing up as well. I was always yeah. like, Part of that's always part of the narrative is like oh my god it'd be like a dream come true to be on snl um well and there really was this huge ucb boom i would say that probably started around 2008 and then certainly yeah you know was you know in full you know full momentum certainly by well, 2012 yeah because oh. Because then people all of a sudden who had started to take classes, let's say when that school started, yeah. now themselves were starting to have like full careers. And I think maybe similarly for you and I, then it's like, okay, well, wait, where's that person from? Where did yeah. that person study? Exactly. Yeah, totally. And, that's, and the, the big one for me was, was the groundlings. That was the, like, as far as the, my biggest idols that were on SNL at the time, a lot of them were, were groundlings students you know right uh, or had been in their main company or or whatever and um you know that's that's that was ultimately the deciding factor was like between will forte will ferrell sherry o'terry kristen wig maya rudolph and uh, you know jennifer cool i mean the, they have such an illustrious alumni you know um and even when i went in for the the audition for their performance track program at groundlings you know they they design that theater is built as a shrine and you walk in and their lobby is just all the walls are like floor to ceiling photos of all of basically being like look at what we accomplished yeah exactly totally um and so i you know i mean you you can't not just lust after that the moment you walk in it's just designed that way and uh yeah, and so, you know, I, I, I worked my way through the program at Groundlings um, very, very slowly. Um, I had a lot of well, hesitation issues, had a lot of confidence issues, and 
Um, but it, you know, thankfully the right people at the right times felt that I was a good fit, you know? Well, and I'm glad actually to hear you even mention that. Cause I, I always personally do really get my back up when people sort of talk about success. Yeah. And a lot of people, I actually, I really resent people who say that luck doesn't exist because this idea oh, around, well, certainly because, yeah. you know, I know you, you are also thinking about people, you know, who are extremely hardworking and extremely talented and are great people and lovely to work with and for whatever reason haven't been able to capitalize on their moment and I'm sure the way that they would also like to see for themselves and when you ask yourself why that is you realize it has so much to do with exactly what you said being in the right place at the right time and then specifically talking to the person who happens to want to buy the thing that you are selling. Uh, uh, you couldn't be more spot on. I, that's exactly what it is. It's the, you know, it's uh, what they say about luck being just like, you know, uh, preparation meets opportunity. Yeah. Like that. I mean, yeah. if you, you have, if you, yeah, if you have what that person wants at that time that they happen to be there looking for that thing, then, you know, that's, I mean, me getting into Sunday company is very much just a really fortunate timing thing you know because i've seen i've seen who i people who i feel are more talented than myself not get into the sunday company just by sheer virtue of the fact that like you know they had too many of that kind of woman you know it's like they're rounding out a company so if there's already too many of one type they're not gonna like go out and they, and they like who they already have and right. they're gonna hold on to that person they're not gonna consider like you know like it, it's petty but it's like oh we can't have like too many of the same type of comedian here you know we're trying to create like an ensemble um i have heard this about the groundlings and you can confirm or deny this as much as you want maybe it's a sensitive yeah. thing to talk about because you are in the sunday company but no, I, mean, I mean certainly things that i've heard about the main company in relation to the way in which they approve people is also an element of when you talk about rounding out a show yes they don't want to hire too much of one type but there's also this thing around like I don't want to bring someone into the cast who's kind of doing a thing that I do. Exactly. Yeah. And no, I don't want no. to compete with that person for stage time. It's that's absolutely there's there's a lot of subjectivity. UCB is just as uh um you know, just as as uh accountable to this. Um, and Second City, believe me, and Second yeah, City. Yeah, all I mean all of them and I, I mean yeah. anybody all these people who worked their way up to a certain point in these um institutions who are turning around and they're evaluating the other up and comers, there is a combination of like, you know, oh, are these people going to be people I get along with on a personal level slash are they a threat to my success? Right. Uh, are they going to steal my thunder? <laughs> you know, I mean, it's, it's, um, uh, uh, it, can, it feels very insensitive, but that's just, that's just the reality of the, of the situation. And, and, um, yeah, and that can be that can be disheartening. That can be really tough when people who may or may not be on your side personally are deciding your fate within this institution you put all this time and money into. Right. Um, which is why I mean I'm very fortunate that it worked out in that capacity. But there's also something from this past year that I've realized is just I mean you know thank God for the internet and individual comedians being able to take their agency and like their, their personal agent not like their agent agent but mm -hmm, like they're, mm -hmm. they're having personal agency with their careers where like no I can create I can reach out to a direct audience I can build my own audience I don't need to earn the approval of these particular like 
big wigs in these these theaters or whatnot, you know. And I've seen that with some people who've maybe not had as much success at Groundlings or UCB who have really taken it upon themselves to to just go fuck it. I'm making my own my own content. I'm going to build my own audience. And right. a lot of those people are doing better than the people that that you know are in main company at Groundlings or are like top people at UCB, you know? I mean, they're- Well, the thing that you learn about the entertainment industry really quick is like, they really are like a bad boyfriend and they want you and you don't want them. Exactly. And so if you are someone who's off doing your own thing, this all of a sudden makes you an attractive prospect. Mm -hmm. And so it's a very, it's a bizarre balance, I think, to also walk mentally this idea of, having goals and wanting to pursue things very directly, but then also in equal measure, not really caring. Yeah. Which I guess ultimately sort of distills down to being, being a person who becomes process oriented and not results oriented. Exactly. It's like, it's about creating systems, you know, which is a yes. thing that is not just, I mean, a lot of people have talked about it, especially like within, within like the, 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 the law of attraction community, but also like on a more practical level, like, I remember reading a Scott Adams book and I don't necessarily agree with everything he does politically, but he has a very, he makes some great points in this book about called um, how to fail at almost anything and still win big. And he talks about creating systems. Whereas where you're, where essentially, yeah, you're living in the moment, making the choices that you want to make as the person you want to be, as opposed to projecting into the future, this idealized self. So like for myself, uh, for example, I told myself back in June of last year, because um, I'd been very depressed that like the Groundlings is on hiatus. And I remember thinking, you know, and I was approaching 30 and I was like, what do I have to really show for it? You know, mm-hmm. like I spent, I've spent a decade in LA struggling in these institutions with struggling with um, being evaluated socially and professionally and how like, uh, you know, incestuous that relationship is and, yes. and how much of a struggle that is when you, you know, um, you, when you, if you make a, a, a good or bad first impression, you know, all the, all that stuff is just really weighing on me. Like, what did I really have to show? And so I said back in June, I would make two videos a week for um, a year at least. Um, and that's more or less what I've been doing. And that's just the, and it's yielded some positive results, which I'm really grateful for. Um, but that's well, it's how I became aware of you for sure, because I know you really had a moment, I would say back in January right, where, yeah. you know, the new white house press secretary, and I always flub her last name. So please help me. Jen. Everybody does. <laughs> yeah. Saki. Her- like Saki, like the beverage. Right. And I was struck initially, and I'm sure this was maybe what precluded you to sort of think like, Oh, maybe I could do this. Cause there is. I mean, aside from, you know, the hair, there is quite a striking physical resemblance. I, you know, a couple of friends had messaged me, uh, you know, on Twitter and Instagram. They sent me videos of her doing her first press briefing um, on the day of the inauguration, Mm -hmm. actually. And, or either the day or the day after. I'm pretty sure it was the day of. Um, And I just remember thinking, like, you know what, I'm, I probably won't be like the best Jen Psaki impressionist, but I'm going to get the, I'm going to try and get the first one done. I'm going to try right, and get the first right. one to make a video. So I, and I remember getting comments on TikTok and Twitter, like, 
that evening when I posted my first video, which I just straightened the hair I have, which is actually more of like a brown color. I tried to just, I tried to sort of part my hair the right way. And I immediately ordered a red wig, like on Amazon. God uh, bless you. You know, I, I had, I was like, you know, I just try it. Let's try and lean in here. Um, and yeah. And I made the, I made a video like that day, you know, while people, people had just finished watching her press briefing and then they, they were searching her, then my video would pop up. And I was like, and again, it's like, I may not be the best joke writer for this. I mean, I don't have even a clear idea of what, like the comedic take of an impression of Jen Psaki is. I just know that like people are telling me I look like her. I want to get a video in. And when I was watching her press briefing, like the only thing I could really think was like, wow, she's just like, so not Kaylee. <laughs> she's just so, she's like doing a competent job. Right. You know? Well, um, I think there's actually something, one thing that I like about Jen Psaki is that I, and I think it's, there's something quite pointed about her, which she's also, she's the most pragmatically no bullshit person I've seen in a while. Yes. And, and I, I suppose I recognize it also because I'm, I was raised around people like this. Like my mom is, it's funny, very, very sunny, very ha happy disposition, all those things. But also make no mistake is definitely a product of, you know, the women's movement in the seventies and on a dime will be like, what the fuck did you just say to me? Like, do you know what I mean? Like yeah. has that quality. And their ground. Yeah. And totally. Oh, and being encouraged to, you know, have agency for themselves and say, no, 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 no. I mean, I will assert a boundary here. And so with Jen Psaki, I think she has this thing where I, there was a moment, um, even re recently she was dealing with a reporter, of course, at Fox News and, and the, yeah. yes. And he was saying something to the effect of why doesn't President Biden make yeah. more time for all of oh, the conservative news outlets? And then, Jen, being so brilliant, looks at him and goes, well, you're here now, are you not? Yeah. And I took your question last week, did I not? And we're speaking right now, correct? So are you still feeling like I'm not really taking time for you? Like, she just is, yeah. oh, I, I, so, like, I, I think the take on her, she's like, it's, it's almost like, I don't know, it's like throw down at the Apollo, and then she's just, like, just, like, knocking him down. She's just, like, really making it happen. And I, I really like that about her and, and I'll say I have had to it's been a process of getting acquainted with her personality because again when I made that first video um it's not like I had a, a back knowledge of her well I, we're all just I, getting to know her yeah yeah so and the first press briefing was very she was um she was very not soft-spoken per se but she was very like I remember specifically her saying to the press you know there are going to be times that we don't agree, uh, but you know we'll we'll talk that through. We'll work that out. Mm -hmm. I think we're going to have a lot of fun together. I just wrote. I was like, oh my god, that's so. That's really. There's something really wholesome about that. So I did the first. I think like the first few videos I did of her, I did her with the take of her just being like very gentle, like kind of like almost like kindergarten teachery. Yes. And totally. I see the spicy side to her, where she stands her ground. She's got more. She's got. You know she. She has to navigate like stupid questions sometimes um, being asked of her and trying to answer those um, with as much respect to the, the question as possible, but also like it's a stupid, you know, being asked about like uh, uh, the Space Force, for instance, you know, it's mm -hmm. like, that's, yeah. Um, she and, to and me it, seems like a person who doesn't have patience for dumb people. Yeah, yeah. Um, you can she, see it in her, you can see it in her face when she gets a dumb question, you can see, you can, it's almost like you can see her trying to not roll her eyes. 
That's exactly what it is. And it, it manifests in a head tilt where she's yes. trying to show, a, a, she's trying to show that she's listening, but there's a bit of that level of, um, it's almost like you see her eyes kind of just like the, the, the light goes off behind her eyes and she just is like, Oh God. Yes. Yeah. There's a little bit of mm, like a, uh, mm-hmm. uh, this is a stupid question. And if you can read it, then you can see that I'm passing some judgment right now. Yes. But, uh, uh, she's, she's, I mean, I, I really, really, uh, I really, really like Jen Saki a lot. And I'll say I'm, I'm still trying to navigate the tone with her sometimes because, you know, I myself, am, I uh, consider myself very progressive. There are things about the Biden administration that don't always align with what I, with what I, with I, what I value. And that can be tough to navigate because I don't also want to be an apologist for, uh, you know, uh, an administration, yeah. The administration, yeah. and I think there's been a lot of, I, I've gotten a lot of projection from people on the far right and even like friends I have who are like um, on the far left who are like critical of the idea of creating like, I guess like propaganda for the mm. establishment, which um, because I've had such very soft takes on Jen. Ha, uh, I've, I've gotten some criticism kind of on both sides about that, which I don't think, I don't think it's that deep personally. Um, you know, it's, it's well, like, and we are only just getting to know her. Like you, well, I think are so right. Like, I think it's like, I think you will have, you will develop a greater sort of, and I mean, I think you already do have such a great handle on her and that's not, I'm not trying to just pump your tires, but I mean, figuring it out though. I mean, I've definitely totally. had misses with her, with videos of her because there are times where I'm like, some of my humor, I can be very, I personally, Chelsea, can be very immature. And that has uh, not always hit when I've, tra- when I've expressed that through Jen. Um, I like very silly comedy sometimes. And my impression of Jen, there's, there's incongruence sometimes with, with some of my impulses versus mm. what actually really resonates with people when they watch that impression. And so I'm again. I'm still figuring it out, but I'm you know I, I appreciate the uh, the compliment of it, but it's just uh, it's I mean it's a it's a process. Yeah, we're all still getting to know her, and um, we're all still we're forming our opinions as we go of this new administration. And um, there's a lot of there's a lot of anxiety about the future. I mean, we you know uh, the. Yeah, there's just a lot of variables happening there. A lot, a lot of things that I didn't ever have any experience with because I never considered myself that, that good of an impressionist, at least. Um, and so when you're doing a, a, a political impression, too, there's a lot, there's a lot to unpack there. <laughs> and you're, you right away, there's, a, there's no matter what take you have of a political figure, you're going to alienate an audience of people who feel a certain way about her. You know, like you're, there's just, it's just very hard to kind of like land right on the, on the high wire, you know? There's a very old expression that I love, which is that the second you open your mouth, you lose half your audience. That's, yeah. I mean. And, and, yeah. and it's so true. And, and yeah. there's actually something I think quite freeing about that. Cause if you can accept that there are just going to be people who don't like you, then you can just sort of charge forward anyway. And, you yeah. know, one of the things that I, and it's funny, and now in knowing this about you, I almost wonder if Jen Saki is also a younger child of an older sibling who maybe was kind of a little reckless because I, she to me reads as someone who is like 
again, and I'm saying this as someone who I'm saying this comes from an understanding place of, uh-huh. of like, I am going to try and assert control over a chaotic environment. Yes. Yes. Yeah. I, I think she, I think early on she understood that there were just going to be people who were going to dismiss her regardless, or they were going to, they were going to have a negative opinion regardless. And there was going to be struggle in the briefing rooms, no matter what. Right. And the sooner that she just sort of, again, yeah, like asserted dominance and, and um, to control that, like when she, when she acknowledged that people give her a hard time for saying circle back a lot. And she was just like, yeah, I say it a lot and I'm going to keep saying it, you know, just yeah. taking ownership of herself and, um, and like the way she answered, like Peter Ducey uh, with his very childish, you know, why don't you ever call me? It's like, well, we're talking right now, aren't we? As with it, you know, and um, I think it's better that she were to say that she's going to get back about something than to offer misinformation or to berate the, the press uh, like, like Kaylee and, you know, Sean Spicer and, and Sarah Huckabee Sanders before her, you know, it's like, um, but I mean, again, yeah, you can't make everybody happy. There are going to be people who, who think that, that, that translates to incompetence or, you know, because they, they have their, they just, they have their political opinions and that is what it is, you know? And also at the end of the day, it's like, and they are also people with flaws and they're just going to behave a certain way and have their little foibles come to the service surface. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely, you know. Yeah. Now, I want to be mindful of fact you've given now over an hour of your time, so I don't want to keep you too much longer. But we should let people know where they can find you. So you are on Twitter. So give give people all your socials of where people can sort of connect with you. Uh, uh, Well, on Twitter and on Instagram, I am at Chelsea the Pope, Mm -hmm. and on TikTok, I am at Chelsea underscore Pope. Um, There is a Chelsea the Pope on TikTok, which is also my account. I just um i couldn't log back into it so it's just like a floating ghost account now with some perfect some stupid videos i made when i was stoned with my cat that's it you know but listen well, if you, want cat, you can go there listen we love we love a versatility queen we love a queen with range we love a queen who can play both sides of the spectrum we love this yeah. um now this is the last question i ask everybody which is and you don't have to think about you know it's whatever comes to mind. So it doesn't need to be the most far reaching. It doesn't need to be even the most of anything, but just, and I fully almost just called you Jen. Chelsea, <laughs> when I ask you, what is a happy memory? What comes to mind? Oh God. <laughs> uh, oh God. Um, mm. I mean, I think when I was a kid and I would go to the beach, those were always very happy memories for me. Um, you know, when I was really small and like my parents, they had split custody. My dad would take us um, once or twice a month to his apartment in Ventura when we were kids and we would stay with him for the weekend. And he would make us like Bisquick pancakes with boysenberry syrup and, uh, we would ride tandem bike, like bikes in tandem to the beach and we would spend time on the beach in Ventura for the day. And it was just a really, it was a really simple time. And uh, all the drama of my family and my parents aside, um, those were, those were really nice. Those were really nice moments, you know? (laughs) Mm. Uh, Well, 
I knew I, I had a sneaking suspicion I would. And I, and I think, you know, I mean, I certainly felt like I was proven right. I knew I'd love talking to you. Aww, and I'm so glad that I, I'm, I'm really, I'm so glad that I have not only had the chance to talk to you, but also to realize that we're two little funny peas in a uh, fractured family pod. Oh my God. <laughs> we're in common. We're going to have the same tombstone too. It's crazy. <laughs> oh, I can't believe it. And also I'm really excited for that joint plot, Chelsea. Joint oh. plot. Because also it's a little cheaper. Um, yeah. And we're, and we're queens on a budget. Um, <laughs> this was a total blast. Thank you so much for doing the show. Have a, have a lovely rest of your day. You as well, dude. Thank you so much for having me. appreciate it. Bye. Take care of yourself. My thanks to Chelsea Pope for being on the show. And, you know, of course, if you want to follow Chelsea and all of her goings on, pop over to Twitter. Here's what you're going to do. You're going <laughs> to... I don't know why I'm doing this like a... Like it's a 12-step program. Okay, everyone, what you're going to do is Chelsea the Pope is her handle on Twitter. Be sure to follow her there. Follow me at Liam Garrow. And, you know, just thank you for continuing to support the show. It means a lot. And, you know, follow AJ Vogie. Be sure to rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast. It always makes a huge difference. Leave a little note. You know, tell me what you think of the show. How I, I love reading material. What can I tell you? And uh, as always, I appreciate you supporting the show for continuing to listen and um i mean what else is there to say everyone have a great rest of your week bye bye